Welcome to the seventh episode of our podcast series named The Most Important Issues in Business Crime, where we ask leading business crime experts from around the world to tell us about the most important topics that we think you need to know about. The object is to briefly identify the most important issues, but not catalog every single potential one. Today, our episode focuses on the increased regulatory focus on financial reporting and enforcement trends, in particular on the professional services industries. I am really excited to be joined by two of my colleagues today, Becky McGregor and Mike Lampson. Becky is based in London and Mike is based in Asia. Both have a tremendous amount of experience in investigations and disputes relating to financial reporting issues and representing clients on enforcement procedures against professional services companies literally around the world, as is evident from where they're sitting. I think the other notable thing about both of you is that you both have experience working in-house at clients, and I think that gives you an added perspective on these topics. So welcome. Thank you so much for doing this, Becky. Let's turn to you first in London. Talk to us about the landscape in the UK for professional services firms. Thanks, Doug. <clears throat> Thanks for having me on your podcast. Um, we've certainly seen a real uptick in regulatory and public scrutiny on the professional services industry in the last decade and on corporate reporting standards. So just to set the scene a little bit, um, particularly in the UK, this comes in the wake of a series of high profile corporate collapses in recent years um, that have attracted a great deal of public focus and attention. And obviously when that public focus arises, that's led to questions of what went wrong? Why wasn't this spotted earlier? And could this have been prevented? Which in turn has led to the spotlight being shone in particular in recent years on the auditors and accountants that have advised or audited entities in those years running up to the issues arising or may have provided strategic advice during periods of crisis prior to their collapse. So that's manifested itself in a number of high profile regulatory enforcement investigations and sanctions brought by the Financial Reporting Council in the UK in the last couple of years in particular. We've also seen a number of public inquiries and parliamentary select committee inquiries that have been tasked with considering what went wrong in, in specific cases. So just a little bit about the FRC. The FRC is the regulator of auditors and accountants and actuaries in the UK. And in their 2022 enforcement review, um, they reported that their financial sanctions had reached a record level of 46.5 million in 2022, and also an increase in non-financial sanctions as well. And just to mention on the non-financial sanctions, I mean, these are not to be underestimated and um, these can often be very extensive and take a significant amount of cost and time to facilitate and as I say we're seeing those used more and more frequently as well. Um, the FRC has predicted that given the current volatile economic climate this is likely to lead to further expanding enforcement case volumes in the coming years. As I said, it isn't just limited to the professional services firms. We're also seeing um, a parallel focus on increasing standards and expectations in terms of corporate governance um, and standards of financial reporting. Um, the FRC also sets the UK's corporate governance and stewardship codes and undertakes a process of corporate reporting reviews of FTSE 350 entities, which it, where it reviews their accounts and their financial statements of these entities for compliance with the UK corporate governance code, both for public companies and large private companies. 
and it does a similar process it publishes an annual review of, of that work as well um and in their trends and recommendations that it's made um the, the 2022 review published late last year reported that they'd reviewed 252 sets of accounts um, and as a result, there were 27 entities where, which were required to restate aspects of their accounts. And the narrative that accompanied that certainly last year pointed specifically to the fact that during periods of economic and geopolitical uncertainty, like what we're seeing at the moment, it's vital that companies not only comply with relevant reporting requirements, but deliver that high quality information for investors and other stakeholders. So it's, it's very, very busy and, and, and an evolving landscape, Doug. No, Becky, that's amazing. That's quite a summary of all the activity. I think as I listen to it, I think about what's going on over here in the States. It's it's similar. There's a high degree of activity from the, the various regulators, in particular the SEC, the PCAOB. And, you know, if, if there is some alleged intentional misconduct, the DOJ. Um, so it's interesting to hear what's going on across the pond. I guess I'm wondering, I know this is difficult. It's tough to predict what's going to come down the pike here. But if I had to put a gun to your head, uh, not literally, what, what do you think is to come in the space in the next, I don't know, 12 to 18 months? Sure. Well, I mean, don't put a gun to my head, but there's a variety <laughs> of um, developments on the horizon that will, will continue to shape the, the landscape in the UK in the next few years. Um, the first one I'd mention is um, a proposal to introduce a new regulator in the UK um, that the FRC will be replaced by the the Audit Reporting and Governance Authority, also known as ARGA, um, and that's off the back of a white paper that was produced by the government about restoring trust in the in audit and corporate governance, um, which I think goes to the, the themes we were just talking about over, over the last couple of years. Um, the transition from the FRC to ARGA has been anticipated for some time now. Um, it's been in train since for over four years, since the Kingman Review in 2018, and the exact timing of that transition is unclear. But at the moment, the, the, the date that we're working towards has been pushed back from 2023 due to 2024, just due to the delays in the, the, the underlying legislation going through Parliament. So it remains to be seen exactly when it's going to happen. But the FRC's latest three year plan suggests they're still working on the basis that they will transition in 2024. Um, I won't get into all the specific changes for, for, for the listeners, but one of the key points to highlight is that the new proposals for ARGA um, they include a proposal to extend their enforcement powers to create new a new director's enforcement regime and provide Argus with, with, with the power to investigate and also sanction directors of public interest entities in relation to their corporate reporting and audit related responsibilities. Um, so that's pretty significant. The government's also considering whether in exceptional circumstances those powers could be applied to non pie directors and if doing so would be justified in the public interest as i say it remains to be seen whether that further extension would be implemented but i think looking at that against the backdrop of further changes to extend the definition of public interest entities to include private companies as well this could be pretty significant um but that's just one one big change there's also the economic crime and corporate transparency bill which is currently going through parliament that includes proposals to create a new failure to prevent offence for fraud, false accounting, money laundering, so quite similar to those in the Bribery Act in the UK. Um, and that again focuses on increasing pressure on professional services firms as well as other corporates to ensure they have sufficient controls in place to prevent these types of offences. Um, that, that bill in particular is on its second reading at the moment in the House of Lords, so it's unclear whether that will be enacted in this form or, or whether they'll be sub subject to other changes. But um, 
perhaps we can do an update for your listeners on that, Doug, in, in due course. But like I said, it's it's continuing to evolve. And um, off the back of just those two two changes we're expecting, the spotlight doesn't appear to be uh, showing any signs of dimming anytime soon. Uh, it's a lot going on, Becky. You've uh, touched on many things. Uh, you're right. I think we could follow up on some of the developments that you mentioned uh, and see what happens to these proposed um, pieces of legislation. Well, thank you for doing that. That was quite a tour very quickly. Um, let's shift over to Asia, Mike, uh, and let's hear from you about what's going on. What, what are some recent developments in Hong Kong on the financial reporting and enforcement side, in particular as it relates to professional services firms? Thanks, Doug, uh, and uh, thanks for having me on the on the podcast today. Um, so, uh, uh, pre-pandemic, uh, Hong Kong was was really one of the most active IPO fundraising hubs in the world, um, and it's been a bit a few rocky years here, but we're starting to come out of uh, the COVID restrictions and, and opening back up. And it's uh, expected that in the coming years, the IPO market will will really rebound. Now, the Hong Kong financial regulator, which is called the Securities and Futures Commission, has put in place a, a pretty robust IPO framework to enable investors to participate in the market with confidence. Sponsors, which are financial institutions, play a critical role in this system, and they're appointed by listing applicants. Now, the current regime came into effect in 2013, and since then, the SFC has investigated and identified publicly a variety of deficiencies in the sponsor due diligence process for companies often that were later delisted from the Hong Kong Stock Exchange. The SFC has levied significant fines, suspended the license of several sponsors for failing to conduct reasonable due diligence, and imposed suspensions on responsible officers at those companies. Now, in contrast to what's happening on the bank side, Historically, we haven't really seen much action taken against auditors. The Hong Kong Institute of Certified Public Accountants was the regulator of auditors of listed companies. And there were very few actions against those auditors for corporate failures, despite the fact that Hong Kong has seen many of these recently. Since the enactment of the Financial Reporting Council ordinance in January 2019, um, the FRC has been gearing up for its role as the full-fledged independent auditor regulator in Hong Kong with direct powers of inspection, investigation, and discipline concerning auditors of listed entities. In May 2019, a memorandum of understanding um, was reached with the PRC, Ministry of Finance, under which the FRC may make requests for assistance to gain access to audit work papers located in the mainland. And in 2021, the Hong Kong government introduced further reform on the accounting profession. That year, the Financial Reporting Council Amendment Bill was passed, and that transformed the FRC into an independent regulatory body for the accounting profession. And they've rebranded it as the Accounting and Financial Reporting Council, uh, much and acts much like the SFC. It recently conducted its first joint operation with the Anti-Corruption Agency in Hong Kong which is called the Independent Commission Against Corruption, involving suspected misconduct and bribery uh, uh, and resulted in the search of the offices of an auditor. With these developments, we expect the AFRC to gear up and spearhead further oversight and discipline of auditors of listed companies in Hong Kong. Mike, that's uh, 
really helpful because I, both you and Becky have refreshed my recollection of the, the various acronyms. Um, and I appreciate that. That that in of itself is a podcast topic. But let me let me try to sharpen the focus now. And uh, I'm not going to hold a gun to your head because I didn't do that to Becky. But what what are you seeing as the trends in this space? What you know, kind of focus us a little more on what's going on. Well, I promise not to actually bring out further acronyms uh, to confuse the listeners. But I will say that look, much like international banks, uh, global professional services firms. Uh, can sometimes struggle in these big organizations to keep communications aligned between the local regional offices, the territories and, and headquarters. So you see issues that sometimes that are bubbling up in the local offices don't get escalated to headquarters and best practices from headquarters aren't always fully and properly implemented locally. So uh, on that front, I think, you know, what we, what we see and advise is that clear responsibilities should be divided among headquarters and the regional and local offices. For example, as a best practice, some functions should be managed from the headquarters level, uh, particularly independent functions such as ethics and compliance, risk, internal audit, and internal investigations. We see some organizations bring together these functions regularly to share best practices, plan for the upcoming year, and reinforce operations and standards as a global unified team. Now on the ground in, in, in the local territories, there should be an effective leader who, actually, who reports up to headquarters, supported by expert teams who can provide prompt support to local business. This does not mean that the local teams should agree to everything the business wants to do, but local compliance officers have to engage the business, find win-win strategies to promote both the business and compliance and facilitate the business's overall compliance with policies and procedures that apply across the organization. Mike, that's great advice. The issue of trying to strike the balance between what HQ should do, what the local offices should do, and in particular layer onto that, the independence of some of the functions uh, that we deal with every day, and I know you had some involvement with when you were in-house at the, one of the largest global services firms um, in the world. Well, Mike and Becky, that was really good. Thank you so much for that uh, really quick overview of very complicated topics and key trends in this space. I hope our listeners found that interesting. I think they've identified some good topics for some future podcasts. And uh, my executive producer has said they'd like to probably invite you guys back. So hopefully you'll find some time for that. Um, with all seriousness, I hope you enjoy this. Please join us again on the next episode of the most important issues of business crime. And thanks very much.